Life is unpredictable, and accidents can happen at any time. In the world of sports, these unexpected incidents can change the course of an athlete's career in an instant. This is the inspiring story of Robert Bob Slaybaugh, a professional baseball player who, despite losing his eye in a freak accident, managed to continue pursuing his passion for the game, proving that even the most challenging obstacles can be overcome. Learn about his story today on Rounders, A History of Baseball in America. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another week's show. It is me, your host, Jeff Lambert. Good to be back with you. Before we get started on our topic for today, which I'm really excited to share with you, I just want to give a quick shout out and thank you to the new subscribers to our weekly email newsletter, Joel R., Dandelioness Lily, Sean, and Dr. Joe. You all took 60 seconds this week to sign up for the free weekly email newsletter, and for that, I thank you. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, or maybe you've been sitting on the fence and listening to some of the back episodes, you can join this growing community. I would be happy for your support. By signing up for our free weekly newsletter, you're going to get uh, right in your inbox when this episode comes out. You're going to get more links and photos and videos of the things that we're discussing and be able to enjoy the topic more in depth. And in addition to that, you're going to get free access to our bonus show, This Week in Baseball History which is a short weekly episode that I put out that covers the major events that happen during the current week in baseball history. could cover births, deaths, major events, free agent signings, you name it. We cover it if it happened during this week. So you get all that for free. All you have to do is go and sign up at rounders.substack.com. Again, that's rounders.substack.com. It really is that easy. Yes. So, With that said, folks, let's go ahead and jump into our topic today. Bob Slaybaugh and his incredible journey back from a devastating injury. I can't wait to tell you more about it. Let's hop into it. Robert Bob Slaybaugh was born in 1931, and his journey to professional baseball was not a smooth one. As a child, he was stricken by bouts of rheumatic fever, and that confined him to a wheelchair for different spouts of time throughout his childhood. However, despite these setbacks, from very early on, there was a documented determination that saw him overcome this setback, and he continued to pursue this dream of playing professional baseball one day. Now, Bob debuted professionally in 1950 at the age of 19 with the Goldsboro Cardinals. And despite leading the whole league in losses that first season, he ended up striking out 176 batters, which really showcased his overall potential. In year two, he won 17 games, and he led the entire league with 223 strikeouts. And that really is a testament, again, to his talent, his tenacity, not giving up on what he wants in life. And that's going to be the theme throughout this entire episode. The man was tenacious in going after what he wanted, and and you're going to see that as we go through here. So Bob was doing great 
1952 rolls around. He's two years in playing with the Cardinals for the Coastal Plain League. He gets a call from the St. Louis Cardinals, and they invite him to their big league spring training in St. Petersburg, Florida. During that time, he played two exhibition games, which accounted for two innings against the Senators and three against the Braves, and he only allowed one run during that spring training appearance. Now, the manager of the Cardinals at the time, Eddie Stanky, great last name, was convinced after watching Slaybaugh after these two games that he was, quote, only a year or two away, end quote, from being ready for the majors. And this was according to an interview from the St. Petersburg Times at the time. So, 1952 starts off real great for Bob. He has a great showing at spring training, but that brings us to the accident that he is most known for. Let's talk about it. We fast forward to the end of a very productive spring training for Bob Slaybaugh. It's March 24th, 1952. He's throwing spring training batting practice, and his life took a dramatic turn. See, it was a routine morning drill for rookies and prospects, and it was Slaybaugh's turn on the list of pitchers to pitch batting practice to these guys. He's going through, he's doing a good job, throwing to each player as they step up to the plate. And then Jim Dickey, who was a formidable first baseman, who was known for his power hitting, and he was coming to spring training from the Class A level team for St. Louis. He steps into the batter's box on the left side of the plate. Slaybaugh delivers just a simple pitch across the plate. It hangs on the outside corner, and then everything changed. Slaybaugh, as he later recounted to Helen Popa, who interviewed him from the Sporting News, said that he had anticipated the ball to be hit down the left field line because of where it was hanging in the strike zone. However, the ball took an unexpected trajectory. It shot straight back towards Slaybaugh. And despite his quick reflexes to shield his face with his glove, the ball grazed one of his fingers and struck the left side of his face. I saw it all the way, Slaybaugh told the Sporting News after the incident. Quote, I threw my gloved hand in front of my face for, for, for protection, but at the same time I jerked my head. The ball flicked one of my fingers and hit my face, end quote. That hit back from this pitch was so severe that Slaybaugh collapsed on the mound instantly. Reporters who were there said that Slaybaugh, quote, dropped as though shot. Immediately after Bob collapsed on the ground, both his manager and Don McGranahan, who was a New York State police officer who was on vacation, he was just walking outside the park and he heard the commotion about what had happened. And he ran in and together with the manager, they were able to carry Slaybaugh out and transported him in a car to a nearby hospital using this police officer's car who was on vacation. As reported later by the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Stanky said that with a towel during the car ride that he had managed to keep Bob's dislodged left eye in place during the trip. The Sporting News detailed the extent of his injuries in the immediate report, and it was stated as he was taken into the hospital that the line drive 
shattered his left cheekbone and forced his left eyeball partly out of the socket, end quote. Going back to that same interview that they had with the Cardinals manager, the Sporting News talked to him about what was it like on that car ride to the hospital. And Stanky said that despite the obvious excruciating pain that he must have been in, Bob spoke about baseball the whole way. He didn't whimper once and even had the presence of mind to instruct his manager to inform the surgeons about his history of rheumatic fever in case they needed to operate on him. And this was to ensure that the hospital would take the necessary precautions regarding the anesthesia because it could have a potential effect on his heart, which the rheumatic fever had affected. So Bob Slaybaugh, at the beginning of his career, uh, on a high note, had a great spring training, suffers this injury, as we stated, shattered cheekbone, eye partially dislodged. What's going to happen to his career? What's going to happen to him? Let's go into his response to this traumatic event. So the severity of these injuries were obviously substantial. And Dr. Albert S. Hanser, who is an ophthalmologist from St. Louis, he was actually vacationing nearby, just like the police officer. And he got a call and was rushed to the same hospital to join a Dr. Bernard Bell, who is another local ophthalmologist in treating Slaybaugh. And the obviously concern, the biggest concern was his eye, his dislodged eye. So they undertook a very complicated, meticulous operation almost immediately in an attempt to save his left eye. But Slaybaugh's injuries were not just limited to his eye. Dr. Hanser reported to the Sporting News shortly after that he had suffered that uh, fracture to his left cheekbone, and that also caused severe damage to the bones right near of his eye, and that affected not only the eye socket, but his nasal bones as well. So we're waiting for the surgery to conclude. We see that Fred Segg, who was the owner of the Cardinals at the time, he, while Slaybaugh was in surgery, contacted Slaybaugh's parents in Ohio, let them know what was going on. He arranged for them and their other son to fly to St. Petersburg, and they actually arrived the next day uh, to be able to be with their son. So the, the response from the the club is certainly admirable in trying to take care of the details while this is going on. So about a week after that initial surgery, we have Slaybaugh leave the St. Petersburg Hospital along with his mother and the rest of his family, and they took a flight back to St. Louis to get further treatment at the hospital there. Now on that same day, Jim Dickey, who was the player who hit the line drive that caused the accident, was assigned by the Cardinals to their Rochester farm team, and he would never make it to the majors after that moment. It's an interesting turn for him as well because he was a, a highly touted prospect. And whether the response was from the injury or not, I couldn't find in terms of what the sources said, but I do find it certainly interesting that he was demoted shortly after the injury as opposed to earlier on in spring training. So there may have been uh, an organizational response based on what occurred. It, it's hard to say, but it is sad because he certainly didn't mean to do it. It was an accident. And Jim Dickey, that power hitter that caused the accident, I shouldn't say caused, but was on the other end of this unfortunate incident, never got back to the big leagues um, after this event, unfortunately. But let's go back to Bob Slaybaugh. So he's 
out of St. Petersburg. He's back in St. Louis. We fast forward to April 4th. So we're about give or take uh, 10 days from the event, from the initial hit that he took. He's there. They perform a second critical operation. And during that operation, it was made, the decision was made to remove that damaged eye. They couldn't save it from the first um, operation, excuse me. And Dr. Hanser, who was the one who performed the surgery, stated after, quote, a rupture at the rear of the eyeball forced the removal, end quote. So just a horrible story here from the outset, right? But there was a silver lining that emerged that came uh, out, I guess, a little bit later in life. But during that second surgery where he lost the eye, Bob was recuperating from the operation, and he ended up meeting a nurse named Joy, who was assigned to care for him during his time, and he later married her. That would later become his wife, and they were married for several years, had several kids. So I guess some silver lining, this is where he met his soulmate. So we fast forward to the end of April. Slaybaugh, he's cleared to practice again with the Cardinals at Sportsman's Park, but it's very widely doubted that he's going to be able to make it back. He's lost his eye. He had damage to his nasal cavity. What's going to happen? And the media was very interested in following this story. So Bob ended up showing up for preseason workouts, and the Sporting News was right there to cover it. And they would keep tabs on him and ask him questions and interview him from time to time. And here's one quote that I found that I thought was really interesting. Uh, Early on during his workout phases, he had this to say to the Sporting News, quote, this is Bob speaking. When I first started working out, I was ready to give up. I couldn't do anything right. I was confused by distances and was just plain scared. But Eddie Stanky and the players kept encouraging me and gradually I started feeling better, end quote. It was the decision was made by the management because of his rough start to have him go to the Omaha farm team, the AAA club for the St. Louis Cardinals, to get more reps and practice in. And that club was managed at the time by a gentleman named George Kissel. And George Kissel was optimistic. And so was the business manager of the team who both watched him and they said, Oppegaard said, quote, Slaybaugh still thinks he can pitch, and so do we and our doctors, end quote. So there was optimism despite him having one eye being able to get back to form to be able to pitch at a high level. So Kissel, the team's manager, decided to um, to alter the regimens that Slaybaugh was doing to help him out. So he decided, you know what, I'm not going to put this guy in to pitch in a game early on. He's not ready for that yet. As a matter of fact, in an interview, he said, quote, it's too dangerous. A one-eyed person has no depth perception, end quote. So to his credit, Kissel set up a program to help Slaybaugh be able to build back some of his skills. And what he would do is he would have Slaybaugh throw catch on the sideline and then Slowly, once he got used to depth perception, being able to catch a ball at varying speeds with confidence, then he had him start to stand behind another pitcher during batting practice to get used to balls being hit back again and get rid of that possible traumatic response whenever there was a a hit back from a line drive. And so he would stand behind another pitcher while that pitcher was giving batting practice. And as time progressed, Bob started to pitch for bunting practice. And then once he was comfortable and doing well with that, 
Kissel let him pitch during batting practice. And Kissel overall was very impressed with the speed at which Bob Slaybaugh progressed. In fact, he stated in an interview that, quote, at first he threw the ball only to the inside corner so that he knew when it was hit, it wouldn't come back at him. But now he throws it all over the, pay, the plate, end quote, excuse me. So Kissel would then put Bob through fielding practice, and he would have players drive grounders straight at him from both sides. And that would help test him to make sure that he was able to track the ball properly whenever there were line drives hit. So then, now that he's gotten back to a level of comfort being on the mound, it was then decided, let's put him in for batting practice, right? And Kissel had him run through all of the different drills, and Bob did very well. He passed every test that his manager set out for him. So then it was time, okay, we're early on in the season, let's put him in for games. This marked the beginning of that journey, of him coming back to playing in games on the diamond, despite this traumatic injury that he suffered. So let's go through his comeback. How did he do? Incredibly, Slaybaugh returned to the mound later that same summer. And his comeback was really nothing short of remarkable, at least in the short term. So remember we said he showed up in March, right, for pre-season workouts, getting involved. He gets sent to the AAA club. He works through their specialized regimen for him. By June 29th, he's back up. He's pitching for this minor league club in a game. And on June 29th, he threw a four-hit shutout in his first start since that injury. And he led his team, the Omaha Cardinals, to a one nothing victory in that game over the Des Moines Bruins. And despite the challenges, throughout that 1952 season, he had 16 outings, he went 2-2, two and two, and he pitched 31 innings. Not bad, huh? In 1953, we see him continue to pitch reliably for this AAA club. And you have to just stop for a minute and reflect on the fact. Think about the journey this young man has been through. He started off his career on such a high note, being invited within two years of playing professional ball to play for a National League club, and then having that traumatic injury occur, losing his eye, having facial damage done to him, and not giving up, and taking the time to realize that he needed to get back to where he was, going through all these specialized drills, being willing to swallow his pride a little bit. And he comes back and he's able to have a successful season. And then in 1953, continues that successful season. And keep in mind, he's not pitching a lot of innings. He's not starting yet, but he's certainly making an impact for the club. So within those two years, we see the high point of his comeback. And it wasn't a sustained amount of time that he was able to experience success, unfortunately, from this injury. So by 1954, he was actually demoted down to the Columbus Club. And after three weeks playing with them, he was transferred to Lynchburg of the Piedmont League, an independent league. And he ended up starting one game for them. And it was a loss. And then he was asked to report to Winnipeg of the Northern League, which is about the bottom when it comes to the minor league system for the Cardinals. So Slaybaugh had a decision to make, and he decided to take a different path. 
He declined to go to Winnipeg, and he decided to go back to Ohio. He signed on with the semi-pro league and embarked on a post-baseball career where he began a career at a local lumber and supply company as business manager. And baseball became a side project for him instead of the primary project. His record post-accident isn't great. It's 2-11. So it was a challenging way to end his career. Started off on a high note, went through all that trouble to come back, certainly wowed people in terms of his first few games back, his first season back, but it wasn't sustainable. So how should we feel about Bob? I mean, is it a sad story? Is it an inspiring story? Well, his son, Scott Slaybaugh, had some insights that he shared into his father's journey in a somewhat recent interview. He said, quote, Dad never dwelled much on the loss of his eye, Scott said. It didn't discourage him, but he had faced adversity before. He only went to the seventh grade because he was struck down with rheumatic fever, and he was bedridden for a long time and had to have tutors finish his schooling, end quote. Scott continued on in this interview and said, quote, after his recovery, they would wheel my dad out in a wheelchair with a little wooden bat and a bucket of rocks. He knew every team in the American and National Leagues, and as he was hitting rocks with the bat, he would tell people that someday he was going to be a major league player. He was fortunate enough to live that dream at least to a certain extent, end quote. And Bob was a deeply religious man, according to his son, and he felt blessed to live a long life and to have a family and to just be able to experience life as a professional baseball player. He said that, quote, Scott said, quote, my dad believed in that God had a plan for him, that he could have ended up dropping dead if he had continued to play ball. He lived longer than anyone ever thought he would and eventually died of congestive heart failure, end quote, Scott shared. So as for losing that, I, again, you know, not being able to get back to the level that he had played at before, how did he deal with that? And we can see kind of the attitude that Bob displayed his whole life, this perseverance and being willing to just rise above whatever the challenge is. Uh, after he lost his eye, see, Bob would usually pitch with an eye patch after his accident. And there was one game he decided to pitch without it against uh, Jacksonville, and he used a strip of tape over his eye instead. And keep in mind, too, that he had a glass eye inserted underneath that eye patch for aesthetic purposes. So you get midway through the game, and that tape starts to loosen. And the tape ended up loosening and falling off, and his eye, his glass eye, fell out of the socket and actually rolled onto the mound. And unfazed, Slaybaugh picked up the eye, and he placed it in his pocket, and he continued to pitch. And he held them to two runs over 10 innings in that same game. Uh, He tried not to let this situation phase him to the point of stopping what he really wanted, and that was to pitch professionally. Scott shared a humorous anecdote about his dad in that same article. I I thought it was a great, great piece. And uh, (laughs) he said, quote, there were times when he'd have to leave for work on a Monday or a Tuesday, and he would come home on a Friday. And he was an old school guy who believed in families eating together. He'd come down on the day he was supposed to leave and put his glass eye in the middle of the table and tell us, quote, remember, I have my eye on you, end quote. (laughs) So, you know, despite the obvious challenges that he faced post-accident, it seems that Bob really took things that happened in his life in stride. And he looked at his time that remarkable journey of being able to spend time on a professional baseball team and being able to live a fulfilling life afterwards 
as being a life worth living. And I think there's a strong message in there that we can all take. So look, Bob Slaybaugh is certainly the first that I could find of someone who suffered a debilitating eye injury and was able to mount a comeback against all odds to be able to pitch again. But there are others who have faced vision challenges in baseball too. In baseball, it I mean, it demands not only physical strength, but it demands speed, endurance. But it really, if you think about it, it really demands exceptional visual acuity, right? So I want to take a moment to talk about other players who suffer from visual impairments, who played professional baseball and really were able, again, to overcome those challenges to be able to have successful careers. The first one is Jose Urias. He's one testament to overcoming vision challenges in baseball. Uh, Urias underwent four surgeries in 2015 to remove a benign mass from his left eye, and that resulted in him having a noticeable squint whenever he pitched. But despite this, Urias has been able to continue his career with both eyes functioning well. And the affected eye is his distant eye, not his forward eye when he pitched. So when he is a left-handed pitcher is on the mound, he's been able to compensate for that despite going through that situation. So Jose Urias is one example. Hall of Famer Edgar Martinez has also had to contend with persistent vision issues. Yes, he was diagnosed with a condition called strabismus, which sometimes causes your eyes to misalign when looking at an object. And this occasionally affected his ability to judge the speed of the baseball, especially if he wasn't well-rested, if he had to play a doubleheader or games back-to-back. So he would refer to himself as basically one-eyed because of this condition. But he wasn't blind, and as long as he was well-rested, the focusing issue only happened on rare occasions. And he was able to build a Hall of Fame career out of it. So certainly a lot of credit to Edgar Martinez. Then we have Tommy Pham. He's another pitcher. He also faced persistent vision issues in one eye due to a condition that he had called keratoconus. And this disease weakens the collagen in the cornea, which causes it to bulge out like a hernia at times. And it doesn't cause blindness, but it did cause Pham to have to get these strong, uh, adaptable contact lenses. In 2009, he started wearing them as the situation got worse. And he also had to undergo an experimental ultraviolet surgery in 2011. But taking both those steps allowed him to extend his career and be an effective pitcher in the league, despite these setbacks. There's other players like Dick Sisler, Whammy Douglas. They also had vision impairments. And they showed that with determination, with adaptability, with the right support around you, it is possible to overcome vision challenges and achieve success in baseball. So all of these stories, from Bob to Urias to Edgar Martinez to Tommy Pham, all of these individuals, their stories serve as a testament that the human spirit really can face challenges, overcome them when the drive is there. And Bob, I think, helped set the standard for that, especially those who suffered from vision impairment. Folks, I want to thank you again for tuning into today's episode. If you enjoyed this, please consider joining our free email newsletter so you can get those weekly updates, get that bonus show. And if you really like what's going on and you'd like to support and help grow the show financially, there's two ways you can do that. One way, I have links right in the show description where you can send me a one-time donation. Um, $1. $1 a show would be great if uh, you feel that's within your ability to do so. 
The other option is you can sign up and become a paid subscriber and give a monthly amount. And by doing that, you'll unlock the weekly bonus show. You unlock the weekly newsletter with the main show details. And you'll also get a list of the upcoming episodes. You'll get this main show one day earlier than everybody else. You'll have a chance to have your feedback read in episode, and you can do all this for the cost of a cup of coffee per month, you know, four to five dollars. So you have a couple options if you'd like to help me financially be able to grow the show. Uh, But you just being here and listening and taking part means a lot to me, and I thank you for that. So until next week, ladies and gentlemen, remember there are only two seasons, winter and baseball. See you soon.